Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Church-State Relationship, preached March 18, 2012. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. The Church-State Relationship, that's the subject. I looked at Spurgeon and see whether he preached on it, but he didn't. The Westminster Confession reads this way. God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people for his own glory and the public good and to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for the defense and encouragement of them that are good and for the punishment of evil doers and article 3 civil magistrates may not assume to themselves the administration of the word and sacraments or the power of the keys of the kingdom of heaven or in the least interfere in matters of faith article 4 it is the duty of people to pray for magistrates to honor their persons to pay them tribute or other dues to obey their lawful commands and to be subject to their authority for conscience sake. In Romans 13, 1 through 7, St. Paul teaches what relationship believers in Christ maintain with the state whether in the church or before enemies of the gospel or in relation to the state Christians are to live a life pleasing to the Lord pleasing to the Lord in conformity with the scriptures and not in conformity with the pattern of the world Believers in Jesus Christ are to do always the will of God, which is his good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Every person must submit to the higher authorities, we are told in verse 1 of Romans 13. The source of all authority is Jesus Christ. From the Father, Jesus Christ has received all authority in heaven and on earth. He alone is the King of kings and Lord of lords. All authorities in the world are delegated authorities. To be under him, doing his will, and be accountable to Jesus Christ. 
There is no authority that is outside of Jesus Christ. The devil himself operates under Jesus Christ. The three institutions, the family, the church, and the state, are to function under the great and only sovereign Jesus Christ, doing his will, and be judged by him in history and beyond history on the day of judgment. Let's look at the family. A wife is to submit herself to her husband who submits and obeys Jesus Christ. Children are to obey parents in everything for this is right and it pleases the Lord. Such children will be blessed of the Lord and live a long and prosperous life in this world. Husband, parents, and children are to learn the will of God from the Bible so that they can do it with delight. Church is also God's institution. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the builder of his church with spiritual living stones of believers who are raised from the dead by the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is not a God of confusion and disorder. As the God of order, the pastors are given authority to govern the church under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. So we read in 1 Corinthians 16, 16, to submit to such as these, that is, to pastors. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. First Thessalonians 5 verse 12. Now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Acts 20 verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it was he, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. St. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 to the elders among you, I, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, 
and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. The pastors are appointed by the Holy Spirit to keep watch over the flock. They are accountable to King Jesus. The state also is an institution of God. The state, whatever its particular form, aristocracy, kingship, democracy, republicanism, and so on, the state receives its authority from Jesus Christ. So the state is under the triune God to do the will of God and be accountable to God. It is the God of the scriptures who sets up kings and puts them down. The parents are given the power of the rod. The pastors are given the power of the keys of the word. But the state is given the power of the sword. An individual believer we learned previously, is not permitted to take vengeance upon a criminal. Vengeance belongs to the sovereign Lord. He takes vengeance upon the wicked through the state. The state alone has the power of capital punishment. Thus God judges the criminal here and now. And on the last day, all institutions, the family, the church, and the state belong to King Jesus, and he rules these institutions directly and through delegated authorities, parents, pastors, and rulers who are under the great sovereign to do his will. So every person must submit to every governing authority. This is not optional. It is mandatory. Because there is no higher governing authority in the world except from God. In other words, God is the source of all governing authority. All governing authorities are instituted by God, the triune God, not stupid, dumb idols of the world. Therefore, the one who rebels and wages war against God-ordained and delegated governing authority rebels against divine order. Not man's order. Such a rebel shall receive, we are told, punishment, judgment upon himself from God and from the delegated authority. It is, in other words, not good for the rebel. The way of the rebellious is hard. 
he must pay for his sins in his own body. He must pay now. And he must pay also on the last day unless he repent and savingly trust in Jesus Christ alone for his eternal salvation. What then is the relationship of the church to the state and vice versa? Look at Constantine the Great. He lived in the 4th century AD. He was the Roman emperor. He professed to have converted to Christianity in the 4th century. And he proclaimed Christianity to be the religion of the Roman Empire. And he functioned in practice as the head of the empire and of the church. He exercised authority to call synods and settle matters of church, church doctrine and life. Roman Catholicism. Now let's look at Roman Catholicism. The Roman Empire declined. And Pope became the head of the church and the state. The kings were under the Pope promoting the affairs of the church. The Fourth Lateran Council of 1215 AD establishes this fact. Let us look at the Reformation. The reformers without biblical warrant accepted the idea that the king is the head of the realm as well as the church. John Calvin knew better, but in practice he accepted this. Henry VIII substituted himself for Pope in England. He became the head of the church of England and the head of the realm of England. Later, King Edward VI, Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth I, they all followed in this manner as head of the church and head of the realm. The 37th article of the Articles of Religion of 1571 of the Church of England states, the Queen's Majesty hath the chief power in the realm of England, whether they be ecclesiastical or civil. Belgic Confession, Article 36, says the same. The Presbyterian Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 23, also agrees that the civil power can exercise authority over the church. Let me read from Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 23. The civil power hath power to call synods, to be present at them, and to provide that whatsoever is transacted in them be according to the mind of God. And the same confession says, this head doesn't have to be a Christian. Infidelity or difference in religion doth not make void the magistrate's just and legal authority. 
what he said is a pagan can call synods and make certain what takes in these synods is according to the word of God Uh, laugh that's what you are supposed to do So the reformers identified church and state in practice. That is, church is coextensive with the state and vice versa. But here in the United States, especially due to the efforts of Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island, a friend of Oliver Cromwell and John Milton. We practice the church-state separation. The church and state are not the same. The church is under God. The state is under God. They both receive authority from God, but they are not the same. They are essentially different. Here we do not have a state church. The church consists of true believers called out of the state. Every believer, we are told, must submit to the state only when, but the church demands, does not conflict with the demands of the head of the church, King Jesus Christ. If there exists conflict, then believers in Jesus Christ must obey God rather than men. And we have ample biblical examples. The Hebrew midwives were told by Pharaoh to kill Hebrew male baby. They refused. And we are told God blessed these Hebrew midwives. Number two, the parents of Moses were under Pharaoh's command to throw Moses into the Nile to kill him. They refused. So we read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months by faith sir after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Jezebel the wicked queen wanted to kill all God's prophets. But Obadiah hid hundred of them and fed them and saved them. He refused to obey king's edict. Queen Esther did not have any permission to go and see the king, but she defied and went to see the king She said, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. And she did it to keep God's people from annihilation by Haman the Amalekite, the enemy of the Jews. Daniel chapter 3 speaks about 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were asked by King Nebuchadnezzar to worship his image. And he, they refused. We read in Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And Daniel's chapter 6, the enemies of Daniel came up with the law that for 30 days everybody is to pray to King Darius and he liked it just for 30 days sir. and Daniel knew about it and we are told he went home and prayed as usual three times a day to the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of heaven and earth so we read now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God just as he had done before he was found out thrown into the lion's den but God heard his prayer and he was saved the wise men, the magi who came <coughs> to see Jesus was told by King Herod, you go and uh, worship Jesus and come back and report to me. But they were warned on the way, don't go back to King Herod. And so they refused to go back. Or in the book of Acts chapter 4, the Sanhedrin, the authority told the apostles, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And Acts 4, 18 through 20, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak to or teach at all in the name of Jesus but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight and to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then they were called in chapter 5 because they violated the law that they should not speak or preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Acts 5, 28 and 29, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and others replied, we must obey God rather than men. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 
Friends, government can become a monster and take the place of God. Government can demand that Christians confess Caesar is Lord and not Jesus is Lord. When government becomes the devil, Christians must refuse obedience to it. The government that rewards the good and punishes the evil deserves Christian obedience. Government does not have absolute authority over the believer. State is under God to do his will and be accountable to him. Government exists to ensure order, peace, not tyranny or anarchy. Government is to praise good behavior. Government is to promote biblical morality. Government is to punish evildoers. Government is to promote family life, not to take away parental authority. In many countries, it is against the law of the state for parents to spank their own children for bad behavior, that good behavior may be formed in them. The power of the rod is taken away from them by wicked laws of the state. When kings became head of the church and the state, the state took away the authority of the church to discipline its members. Their power of the keys of the word were taken away from them. Today, state says it is okay to abort children. Divorce is okay for any and every reason. You don't have to work at all. Government will take care of you. In public schools, parental authority is being destroyed. Religion is driven out of the marketplace, public life into the privacy of your thought. Bible is despised and its moral teaching condemned. The God of the scriptures, the true and living God who gives authority to the state to govern is driven out. I say our God is angry and he will put down such wicked governments as he has done throughout history. Psalm 75 verse 7, it is God who judges, he brings down one and he exalts another. Daniel 2 verse 21, he changes times and seasons, he sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Daniel 4 verse 17, the decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. When God's design is systematically, constantly, and notoriously disregarded. 
Our obligation to obey stops, said someone. Friends, we must render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but we are also told we must render unto God what belongs to God. We are created in God's image and likeness. We must therefore worship and serve God. Whether we eat or drink or whatever else we do, we must do for the glory of God and in the name of our God. Our God's authority alone is absolute and other authorities are derived and delegated. Pilate asked Jesus, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Charles Hodge, the Princeton theologian, says, rulers are the servants of the people as well as the servants of God. And that... The welfare of society is the only legitimate object which they as rulers are at liberty to pursue. Rulers are to praise the good and promote the good and to punish evil. Friends, morality is not relative. It is absolute. It comes from the absolute sovereign who alone is good. Today in the Western world we live in moral confusion. The leaders of the state are partly responsible for this. Also unbelieving parents and unbelieving pastors. They are to give us moral clarity and not moral confusion. Professor F. F. Bruce quotes one T.M. Taylor. The obedience which the Christian man owes to the state is never absolute, but at the most partial and contingent. It follows that the Christian lives always in a tension between two competing claims. That in certain circumstances, disobedience to the command of the state may be not only a right, but also a duty. This has been the classical doctrine ever since the apostles declared that they ought to obey God rather than men. Friends, many governments are demonized. Because they are killing Christians. These rulers hate Jesus Christ and his true followers. Therefore, it is important as we study the power of the state. We must read not only Romans 13. But as Dr. John Stott said. Also Revelation 13 that speaks of the demonic powers. That oppose God and the people of God. John Calvin said, civil authorities are not to rule for their own interest, but for the public good, nor are they endued with unbridled power, but what is restricted to the well-being of the subjects. In short, they are responsible to God and to men 
in the exercise of their power. For as they are deputed by God and do his business, they must give an account to him. And then the ministration which God has committed to them has a regard to the subjects. They are therefore debtors also to them. I say, the state then must function under God whose delegated authority they exercise. Their authority did not come from themselves, from their smartness, or directly from the people. But directly from the sovereign God, therefore authorities must do God's will, which is written in each man's heart. So we read in Romans 2, 14 and 15, indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts now accusing and even defending them. The will of God is most clearly expressed in the Holy Scriptures. Which the leaders may read to discover what is the mind of God. The state must promote moral law. Must praise those who do good. Must punish those who violate God's moral laws. They are given the power of the sword to administer God's wrath. Those citizens who do good have no fear of the rulers, but those who practice evil must fear the rulers. We are told by St. Paul that they are God's deacons. Two times we are told they are God's deacons. Another time we are told they are God's liturgist servants who spend full time in governing. Yes, they are God's deacons, means they are God's humble, not arrogant servants obeying God's rule. They are God's avengers. They punish not the good, but the wicked. They work full time in the work of the Lord, collecting taxes. And John Calvin says, friends, taxes collected are public property and not to be spent in the gratification of private indulgence. And I say unjust wars, financing lazy people, making them dependency of the government, financing abortion, financing Planned Parenthood, and financing a bloated budget. So they work full time in the work of the Lord, collecting taxes, building roads, ensuring peace in the land, upholding God's moral law, providing impartial justice through the courts, helping the institutions of family and church to flourish and so on. So everyone must submit to good government. We must pay taxes. They have to have tax to defray the costs of government. We must submit not only because the state can punish evildoers, 
But we submit to the government because of our Christian conscience informed by the Holy Scripture. That conscience tells us that it is the right thing to do to please God. So we pay our debts, we pay tax, we pay revenue, we fear those whom we must, we respect those whom we must as good citizens of the state which is under God. As citizens of these United States, friends, we have a right to shape the government. And we are to involve in the affairs of the government. Dr. Boy says we must oppose verbally when government does wrong. And we must disobey what government demands conflicts with what God demands. We can vote out in this country the most crooked rulers. And we can vote in the less crooked rulers. <laughs> we refuse to be like the Anabaptists of 16th and 17th centuries who argued against any state. They promoted anarchy. Let me tell you, God opposes tyrannical government as well as the anarchy of people. God is a God of order and not of disorder. Order in the family. Order in the church. Order in the state. Though there is no theocracy anymore today, God gives the state authority to rule for the welfare of its citizens. God does not approve what is written in Judges 21 verse 25. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. I want to say a few points to ponder by way of application. First, why do you obey the state and not obey your parents and pastors? Family and church are also God's institutions. Number two, Marxist ideology and government negate God and therefore is demonic. Number three, any government that opposes Christianity and kills Christians is demonic. Number four, no government has absolute authority. Number five, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the sole judge of all. Number six, we must give to Caesar what is due him. And we must give it to God what belongs to God. Number seven. God alone sets up kingdoms and puts them down. Number eight. All human kingdoms one day will be destroyed by King Jesus to set up his own kingdom of righteousness and peace. 
So we read in Daniel 2, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. First Corinthians 15, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has, notice, destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Number nine, it is the duty of every ruler to confess with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4.37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble number 10 are we seeing today that government generally promotes evil and opposes good abortion anti-christian ideas every form of sexual deviancy homosexuality atheism infanticide Unjust wars, corporate corruption, every form of lying. Number 11, friends understand that we are dual citizens. We are citizens of this world, but thank God, we are also citizens of heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number 12, capital punishment is biblical. God knows better the fallen human condition. Only God has the right to take life by the state. No woman has right to abort her baby. And the state must practice retributive justice based on moral model than humanitarian reform justice based on medical model that crime is due to a disease. Number 13, government is necessary because of the fall. People, including rulers, are pervasively sinful. Number 14, State's special task is to restrain evil. Number 15, Dr. Jones says if government breaks the law and become tyrannical, then people have a right to change the government. Number 16, the state should not encroach upon or hinder the work of the other God's institutions work of the family and work of the church. Number 17, the state is not separate from God but under God. All rulers 
will answer to him. Stalin, Mao, Hitler included. Understand this. Paul in Romans 13, 1 through 7. Deals with the state in its ideal, normal way. Not in its demonized state. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. You are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Heavenly Father, help us to become humble. Help us to submit. Oh, people hate the word submit. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us then. You will humble every proud person, pastor or father or husband or king or president or prime minister. You will humble and finally destroy them all. Therefore, Lord, help us to confess Jesus is Lord. Pour out your spirit, O Lord. Without your spirit, we become arrogant. Help us, O Lord, to pay taxes and to pay all our debts because we are God's people. God wants us to do so. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.